This is the 911 Calls Podcast with the operator and his exact twin. Mine is being born and raised in Kentucky and his heroic military service and being born to a completely other mother, Kent Chungus. Hey, sir, can you please fire a paramedic? My wife got broke off a horse. Okay. My girl at the bottom of the canyon, sir. She's not moving, sir. No. Oh, hello, Kent. Uh, hi. How are you? Bad. I have a question for you. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting... <laughs> I wasn't expecting that to be the answer. Uh, but are you really bad? Do you want to talk about it? I am now. <laughs> Would it be because I'm the only one talking about it? Ask me the swear in question. We just didn't ask me anything on the uncut with Kent, and we got into his deployment. And yeah, because that's what we love talking about. That veterans love it. It was terrible, and then I just didn't know how to segue out of it. So I was like, "Well, here's some music," (laughs) and then the intro music starts. Uh, Lead us into the out to the ocean and then drop us to the sharks. That's- <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Well, I'll get right into this because this is this is an interesting one. Um, hey, Kent. What? Have you? Do you have experience with horses? Oh, for a minute, I was about to say yes, <laughs> and then I went says yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've I've rode horse. My my family for a long time raced horses. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how to train them or anything. I was always the guy that just showed up and hey, can I jump on one of them horses and then I'd ride it around, yeah. and then leave. So, do you know the tack part of it, like putting a saddle on? No, and I don't know any of that shit. Yeah. I can ride a horse. I can hop on a horse and ride one, but that's the extent of my knowledge. I live in a town where it's still agricultural and there are there are teenagers who rather than riding their cars they'll just walk their horses around the neighborhoods and stuff sometimes and uh, you'll even see them like at the drive-in of the drive-through of a restaurant people like they'll walk through the drive-through on their horse <laughs> yeah and order food. It's weird. Also, I think they kind of know what they're doing. But to be on, you know, to be fair to them, they don't have many hitching posts around anymore. For they them do not hitch their horse up to to go in the restaurant. There's something to be said about piles of poop all over the place, but you know, we seem to we seem to overlook that, and that's that's just fine because horses are cool. in L.A. They overlook it. They sure do. San Nobody owns a horse. <laughs> true other than because i don't want to i don't want to talk about your deployments anymore <laughs> i don't either why <laughs> i brought it up <laughs> i want to talk about it in the first place um had this ha- well i'll tee this up with an experience that i had so when i got remarried to my trophy wife now who's amazing her her family is a hunting family so i i got introduced to hunting and found it uh, found a, a meaningful aspect in in hunting for myself meaning that i won't ever be like a trophy hunter and i won't go shooting things that don't need to be shot but 
it's nice to know that I have the skill if I ever needed to put meat in the freezer. So this one time I was hunting with my brother-in-law and we we are high mountain, probably t- around 10,000 feet above sea level. And we're hunting for elk and we had gone down this trail. We were about four or five miles in from camp and uh, we were we were tracking this this uh bull elk and uh, we couldn't get him to come out of the tree line. So we had to call it a day because we felt snowflakes and we're like, oh, don't know if this is going to be a quick snow or a long snow. So we started, we started hoofing it out of there. And as we're going, it starts snowing more and more and more. And it starts getting later in the day and then it starts getting evening and then it starts getting night. And the snow is coming down very, very heavy at that point. And we're high in the high mountain. This could literally be a snow that puts two feet on the ground. You, you, you just don't know. And um, so I'm following behind him. And as I'm following, I can see his headlamp. And when I couldn't see his headlamp, like if he ducked over the, the trail above in front of me or anything like that, I could see his footprints. But as the snow started falling more, and it started getting darker. I couldn't find his footprints even. And so I am getting lost out there. And I couldn't see his headlamp. I could it was uncomfortable because I you know, you're miles away from camp. Yeah. And and this isn't just like a But also slightly exciting. It, yeah, it was is. there like a hinge of excitement? Yeah. There was adrenaline for sure, for sure. And and like I know how to survive in the wilderness, so it's not like I knew. I thought I was going to die or something, but it was it was a bit harrowing. Just thinking, okay, I'm miles, and we're not on a we're not on a trail like a hiking trail. Yeah, this is like at best we're finding game trails to follow and stuff, and the ground the the ground under your feet is like at a you know sixteen percent grade. Nothing is flat. It was it was slogging through the through the wilderness and uh at one point though i i it hit me i'm like man if if i lose him i could be out here a while and uh and it was it was uncomfortable did you have you ever had that happen that kind of a feeling where you're out there and suddenly kind of the realization of your aloneness hits you like getting lost well like you hunted with your dad yeah dad always whenever i was little dad would always Take me to my spot, drop me off, and then walk off. Oh. And so even at like nine years old, I got pretty comfortable with being alone mm-hmm. in the woods. I mean, he would be like, obviously, don't go anywhere. You know, yeah. like this is where you're watching for deer or turkey or whatever we were hunting at the time. Uh-huh. And then he would walk off and he would be gone for four, five, six hours. Okay. So, And you, you're hunting whitetail. Yes. Probably. Yeah. Okay. And so that, yeah. So oftentimes with whitetail, you're, you're going to sit in one spot and wait for them to come across your path. Yeah. But I mean, that's a long time for a kid. I mean, did it ever feel like, what if he doesn't come back kind of stuff? Not really. No. Wow. You're a tough kid. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's just how we always hunted from the time I was old enough to carry a rifle. He had me out in the woods. So, I mean, it wasn't weird or anything. I just... I would get scared sometimes if he would wait until dark. Mm-hmm. I didn't like being out in the woods in darkness. I didn't yeah. like that. But aside from that, no, it never really, never really, I, I guess, bothered me. I, I, I never got lost in the woods, I don't think, because I was always on, like I said, I've told the story. Dad would make me hike in front of him 
and he had that big swept up finger where he'd blown it off with a shotgun. <laughs> and uh, they had reattached it, and it was basically just a cannonball on the end of his finger. <laughs> and he would make me walk in front of him, and if I walked too loud, he would hit me in the back of the head with that finger, and it was like getting hit with a with a pull pull cue. Funk. I I fortunately have never been in the wilderness in a situation where I had to change plans. I got lost in a cave one time. Yeah, that's but, scary. You were in Mullins Cave, huh? I was in Mullins Cave at Mullins Station. Yeah, and the people I was with were high and drunk, and I was the only one sober, and I was the only <laughs> one that realized the severity. Of our situation because it was also raining outside when we went in. Oh, no. And because you have to enter this cave through an opening in a creek and a creek oh, bed. Gosh. You could have been drowned. We yeah. wouldn't have drowned because there's high spots. This cave is a big cave system and you can find high spots. But, yeah, uh, definitely stuck in the dark. Well, we hadn't told anybody where we were going either because we had made it. It was like a, a, a spur of the moment decision. Yeah. So nobody knew we were at. The only luck we would have is if somebody three days later found our car parked out there. Um, but I was very Jeez. concerned that we were going to be laying in the dark for three or four days. Um, and that's not any kind of dark. That is that is like can't see the darkest. The darkest. Yeah. Oof. And yeah, you guys just laid down and took a, went to sleep for a while. Yeah, I talked you? them all into laying down. And uh -huh. we took a nap. We slept for like three hours, two or three hours. <laughs> and then when I thought everybody was sober enough to realize the severity of the situation, uh, we ended up coming out of the cave at daybreak. It was morning. Uh, and we just passed out in the car there in the woods and slept until like noon. Wow. <laughs> uh, that the, Yeah, that that's scary. I've never been in a situation yet where I've had to change plans Rather than go in, come out, you know, uh, where I've been like, oh, I'm stuck, going to have to hole out here for a while. I have have as yet not had to do that. Well, the reason I panicked is because we had two flashlights and one of them died. Oh, yeah. You're, you're setting up a, mo a horror movie. We're down to one flashlight. <laughs> They're drunk and high. They're not listening. We were, way, we were probably a mile or more back in this cave system and I had no idea where we were at. And I knew it was raining outside. It was like, this is the beginnings of a Dateline episode. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm the only one that realizes it. So we killed the lots and went to sleep. So I guess that, that kind of burned my, my question because I was kind of I, – I, in my head, I was like, oh, he lived on a farm. He should be – familiar so time with equestrians not not enough to be like a daily kind of daily driver no because when i was growing up on the farm it was all chickens and cows ah okay and tobacco and corn uh we farmed for sustenance yeah. not for um leisure recreate yeah. horses or recreation you know there was no recreational farming we were literally eating what well, we were, <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, you weren't eating horses. You were just no. you had a food farm. We basically. only raised things that we could kill and then devour. Well, today's call is actually. Um, it was interesting when I was listening to this nine one one call because it was hitting me weird, and it took me a minute to figure out why. And then what I realized is every street name that was mentioned, I know. 
and every street name and every direction that was given, I've driven within the last year. Easy. So this is your hometown. It's my hometown. And I wasn't expecting that because a lot of these 911 calls that I have, I have them cataloged in a way where there's not a lot of description and I can't start doing the research until I listen to the call. So when this one started playing out, I was like, oh, my gosh, how do I not know about this? And then it started uh, meaning something to you. Yeah, a little bit. And you started realizing that we are profiting. <laughs> I've had that happen where suddenly I do I do a call that's meaningful to me and I play I, – I treat it a little different than people are like, hypocrite. Yeah. Happens. But um, no, I'm not going to – I'm not going to ease off on this one. It's uh, my hometown, but um, – but it's it's uh, interesting. So this took place back in March 9th of 2008. And a man and a woman were out in the – this area of where I live, it's interesting because driving 30 minutes in any direction and you are in completely different environments. You could drive 30 minutes and be in the desert. You could drive 30 minutes and be high mountain. You could drive 30 minutes to – literally lakes or reservoirs, uh, canyons are 30 minutes away. It does like everything is here. You could be skiing or swimming or scuba diving all 30 minutes from where I'm at. Um, and so these two were on horses and they were out walking in the kind of the sagebrush or the, the more arid part of the foothills. And, uh, after a while, things got kind of weird, and then this call had to be placed. So let's just jump right in and listen to this this call from a man named Mark. Let me Are find you pushing that. it? I'm not pushing it yet. <laughs> Let me know when you push it. Okay. Well, I don't want to. My lip. <laughs> mm. Are you ready for me to press play? That was just the tip. <laughs> Here we go. I don't want to make this point. and I ride our horses out at Rocky Canyon, north of Eagle Road. Do you know where that is? Well, sir, there's several miles there. How far up are you? Do you, know, do you, do you know where they ride the horses at? You go down Eagle Road past Steelwell? Are you talking? You go out floating, you go past floating feathers, past Beacon Light, out towards Stillwell, Stillwell Road. Uh-huh. And you head all the way out. Hey, sir, do you need police, fire, or paramedics? My wife got bumped off a horse. Okay. She's down at the bottom of the canyon. Sir? She's not moving. Sir? No, yes. Let me get the paramedics on the line with us. Just a okay. second. Okay. Hold on one second. You're on Eagle Pass Stillwell? 
Yes. Fast quarters. Fast quarters? Yeah, all the way out where it turns to almost dirt. Okay, I'm pausing it for a second to give everybody kind of the no pun intended lay of the land. So outward there. I don't understand at this moment what the emergency is. Exactly. Yeah, because he, he hasn't gotten there. Well, he kind of got there. I'll, I'll explain it. Um, so the area where they're at is rolling foothills and they're expansive, like square miles, not acreage. It's square miles of this stuff. And you can easily be traveling and go through counties. Like you could, you could go from one county to another out there and not know where you're at. And so the struggle that he's having is trying to define for the dispatchers where in this rolling series of foothills they are because there, there are no, the, the biggest visual marker would be another foothill. <laughs> So he's trying to explain that. But what he said happened at this point is they were riding horses and his wife fell off her horse and is at the bottom of the canyon. Okay. So she's not moving at the bottom of a canyon and he's currently trying to. Or an equestrian. In a canyon, in equestrian. <laughs> I see what you, because they sound similar. Um, and that, he's That's trying, not how you ride a horse. If you're <laughs> well, maybe you're from the city or I don't know, and you've not been around horses a lot, but this you're setting that up at the bottom of a canyon. It's not the ideal way to ride a horse. You're supposed to be on the if horse. you if at any point you end up in a ravine and you look up and your horse is, you know, white stallion in it up top and you can see their silhouette, you haven't done a good job of riding a horse, you know. <laughs> She may fe be feeling this way right now. Let's let's continue, and we'll see if he can get through the whole "Where in the world is Carmen San Diego?" part of this phone call, so he can help help his wife. Are you by Willow Creek? I'm not sure, ma'am. I don't know where he's at. Okay, if I go if I go north on Eagle, how far am I going? You go all the way out, I got horses running. All the way out Eagle Road. All the way out. Okay, is it, is it on a dirt road? Where you have come in, it probably is. Okay, if I go to Eagle and Willow Creek, will I get there? I believe so. So if I go up to Willow Creek at the end where it's a dirt road, which way do I need to go from there? You just follow Eagle Road on out. Onto the dirt road? Yeah, there's a gate. There's a gate. A, a, it's a gate locked. A green gate. Is it locked? No. And we just keep going through that. And then you turn and go through the gate, and you come all the way down. I'll try to meet you out there. Okay, what's the medical emergency? My wife has been thrown off her horse over the edge a Rocky Canyon Cliff. It's a long way down. Okay, so Rocky Canyon Cliff? Yes. How far is she down the cliff? Probably a hundred feet. She's not moving. Okay, how about your brother? Okay, you said she's not moving? 
How old is she? 52. 52? Yes. He's about 100 feet down? At least. Do you know if she's conscious or unconscious? I have no idea. I'm going to try to get down there. Okay, I'd rather you not. I don't want to have two patients. I need to make sure that you guys... Can you get down there safely? I might be able to. Okay, hold on one second. It says no trespassing and all that, but it's a well. It's a well-driven road. It's just for the people that live up here, but it's a well-driven road that goes to the right. Oh, my God, I'm getting low battery. Okay, hold on one second. Is it by Airy Lane? I don't know Airy Lane, so I can't tell you. Did they pass the excursion with the Phil Horse trailer? She's not moving. She hasn't moved since she... Okay, hold on one second. They're talking. They need to listen to them for a second, okay? Hold on. You know, uh, I'm listening to this. These two are married, right? 
Yeah. And I'm listening to him make this call relatively calmly. And I'm thinking that she didn't fall from a horse. Yeah. I'm thinking there's maybe we should shift attention from the horse and maybe look at the guy making the call. Because the more I thought about it, the more I was like, what's what's the likelihood of you getting thrown from a horse? Down a cliff, too. 20% 20 on flat land. And then what's the likelihood of it being the one time you get thrown, it's off of the side of a cliff? It's not adding up to me. Good luck getting a horse to the edge of a 100-foot cliff. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Yeah. And if you try to, you deserve to get thrown off the horse all over the cliff. You had that a coming. You're going to have a dude end up doing a gainer down the back of that horse's back right off of the cliff. I'm going to be shocked if this wasn't first degree murder. So, all right. Here's here's the so the the one thing, and it was early on that kind of got me. This was this this phone call was 29 minutes long. And the majority of it was literally just trying to geolocate these people. Well, yeah, I don't know if you've we've been doing nine one one calls for a long time now. It's hard to get an ambulance to a place if you're by the Capitol. <laughs> um, Let alone if you've got in there and there and if you're by the Capitol and it's blimp day, <laughs> and you're yeah. dead and you've got a, a, an accident victim at the bottom of the BF Goodwrench blimp, and you're like, you just got you can see the blimp from your. From the 911 call center, right? And she's like, just follow the rope down. We're right there. <laughs> and she still wants directions. Okay, but what street? Like, imagine trying to get an ambulance out to a, cl- a canyon in the middle of nowhere. They're wanting coordinates. They want to know if there's food when they get there. <laughs> Will there be craft services? <laughs> what tree? Describe the foliage. Well, here's an interesting thing that uh, not a lot of people still know you can do, and they don't recommend that you do this uh, in replacement of calling 911. However, you can text 911. So in the to field, instead of putting a full phone number, you put 911, and then you send a text message. Now, you're going to want to give your direct your instructions as to your location, what has happened? You're going to want to let them know, do they need to send fire, police, or an ambulance? But here's another thing that uh, a lot of people don't know that you can do now is if you open up your Maps application, like Google Maps or Apple Maps or whatever, you can share your current location. And so when you click share, share my location, one of the options is to send a text message. So if you send a text message to 911 and you start with your location, you just solved 28 minutes of this phone call from the middle of nowhere because you can drop a pin to the dispatchers and it gives them the exact latitude, longitude of where that calls, where that text is placed from. And then from there, you can text or text back and forth. And if they're like, Give us a call. Then you could call, but at least then they've got they, – they they have more accurate information by doing that than if you were to try to explain it as the rope at the bottom of the cliff. You know? Yeah, then if you were trying to walk them to your location off of a maple tree. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so just fun fact to know and share about that. They 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 still don't recommend that you lead with texting 911. Um, and they can track you. So don't don't ever like prank 911 with a text because they'll show up at your door. But uh, it is definitely a new uh, a, a, a new technology, a new way of of communicating. And I think. I think a hybrid of the two is the best. Like geolocating me by letting me drop a pin on my location and send that to 911, boom. There's the whole explanation part of where I'm at, part of the phone call, out of the wind, out of the way. And then from there, it's what happened, how 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 I could help the person that's hurt or whatever. You know, we can move on. But um, so moving on, uh, after this happened – a little bit of time was spent um, s- retrieving her from the uh, the bottom of the cliff. Fifty three year old Sue newbie. Yeah, newbie at riding horses. <laughs> yeah, but after a little while, not too long, just a just a couple days. A couple days after that, that deputies, did you say days? Just a couple days after that, they retrieved her body. No, no, no. They retrieved her body. Oh, okay. And then, I thought it took them days to retrieve. No. Like, Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> well, yeah, they were on Everest. Uh, no, so um, just a couple days after they retrieved her body, deputies were already prepared to serve a warrant on 46-year-old Mark D. Newby. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. I called it. Yeah, they suspected that Newby... Uh, was guilty of pushing his wife, 53-year-old Sue Newby, off her horse and over a cliff to her death in Rocky Canyon. Uh, But while serving the warrant, something happened. This is what investigators say happened. Prior to Sue Newby's death, Mark Newby, so before her death, Mark Newby made numerous financial arrangements of an undisclosed but significant amount that would benefit him in the event of his wife's death. Oh. Life insurance policies were part of the arrangement for financial gain, but but uh, the investigator declined to elaborate on that. Uh, the day after his wife's death, Newby had an intimate relationship with another woman the day after. Well, we all grieve differently. <laughs> I guess. I guess. <laughs> and he also made inappropriate remarks to her about Sue Newby's death. Uh, the comment was flippant. A quote, he was making light of the situation, uh, adding that the woman is cooperating fully with the investigators during this part of the investigation and was not a suspect in the case. In fact, the woman was unaware that he was even married. Okay, so... The woman whom detectives interviewed uh, was never named, uh, but they said that she's innocent. Uh, she told investigators that Newby made an offhand remark about the death of the other woman in his life. When she asked him if he felt bad about it, he indicated it didn't really upset him. Uh, <clears throat> when investigators served the search warrant Wednesday night, uh, two days after this event happened, they could not make contact with him at, at first. Uh, they end, uh, The SWAT team entered the residence about 11 p.m. Um, to discover that Mark D. Newby had committed suicide. Oh, coward. You big pussy. 
According to the coroner, Newby died of a gunshot wound to the head and was pronounced dead at twenty at twelve forty five a.m. that next morning. You know they were still on scene. Went from Wednesday to Thursday. Uh, he was employed at a local heating and ventilation business, and Sue Newby was his fourth wife. Mark Newby had one prior arrest in the in the county in two thousand three for domestic battery against his third wife. And, uh, uh, quote, now we will continue to bring forth the facts, even though Mark Newby is dead. The investigation will continue. Um, and, uh, the investigation did continue, but it, it yielded no more results except for a failed attempt to cash in on his fourth wife's death. And, uh, thus ends the, the other three of- wives survive. I think so. I mean, it does sound like he was abusive, and the the reports only showed his uh, his prior arrests in that county. Um, and uh, but I would guess do this once, you know, hit a woman once. You've probably done it a lot. And if you're, I also, I also, I I, I hear what they're saying where they're like they think he was guilty of pushing his wife off a horse down a cliff. I'm guessing at one point he was like, let's get off the horses and check out the beautiful view from the edge of this cliff, Sue. And I feel like that's how it happened because I don't know how you, I don't, again, you can't get a horse that close. You're not going to, it's not going to happen. So I think that uh, they were horseback riding. They got off. They went to the edge of the cliff and he pushed her. Could you also imagine, like, have you ever been to the edge of a cliff and somebody's like, <laughs> and they like faked pushing you and you're like, stop it, dude, seriously. Have you ever had that happen? Yes. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. And it makes you not like people, like instantly. I couldn't imagine, like, the fall, thinking about what just happened, like trying to wrap your head around the fact that someone literally just killed you, pushed your pushed you off a cliff. <clears throat> 150 feet. Yeah. Was it 100 feet? 100 feet. 100 feet. That's not a lot of time to think. It's not a lot of time, but it's enough to go, what is happening? And that's about all you do. Yeah, you, you die about halfway through happening. That's- yeah, what is happening? Rock. Oh, just, just, just not... I also think what a dumb plan. Like it was so easy for them to kind of deduce, you know, that this kind of thing doesn't happen. Also, I found it really interesting that at the very early part of the 911 call, he's like trying to if my wife fell off a cliff, that would be the first thing out of my mouth on that 911. My wife fell off a cliff. We're at and then I would try to explain where we were at. But he's Yeah, there just wasn't enough panic. He was yeah. like, uh, yeah, you know, you know where Mason Avenue is? Yeah, exactly. Hang a left there. You go by uh, Burt's Burritos. And I don't know if you've had their chimney swear chungus, but the golly gee, those are just spectacular. He literally started, yeah, asking him questions of they knew where certain streets were. And that just that to me is in, indicative of uh, not the whole story being told. So Mark committed suicide. So that's uh, one and done. Do we know um, if the horses are okay? The horses are fine. Every oh, well, single horse should was be okay. okay with this episode. Yes. Yeah. Horses were all re rehomed, and they're actually indoor horses now. They nice. they live inside the home. 
Lap horses, they call them. Yeah, lap horses. And they're beautiful, beautiful. One is a female gelding, which is a joke for horse people. <laughs> uh, anyway. And one thing I've learned is you can talk about the brutal murder of human beings, but God damn it, the animals better be okay. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure the horses were okay, and I'm glad that they yeah. survived. They did, they did. And they I mean, did. if it was going to be anybody up on that cliff, at least it was Sue. At least it was Sue. Whew. Probably, preferably that it was Mark, but uh, I mean, know, yeah, preferably horses. Yeah, but oh, you know what we? Oh no, you know what I missed during this call? A happy ending. Ads. God. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta pay the bills. Okay, we're back. Uh, I do have a happy ending, though. Mm-hmm. You want? <laughs> you want me to play it? I don't even care. This one is borderline ridiculous, but still, it's a happy ending. It'll give us out. It'll get us out of the. It'll get us out of the canyon. Get us out of the ravine. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Can you please emergency. Hello, I need the police, please. Okay, what's happening? Well, what happened was, is there's been a theft from outside my house. Okay, when did this occur? Well, I'm not sure exactly, because I ain't been out to check on him for about five hours. But I went out about five minutes ago to have a fag, and he's gone. So it could be in the last five hours, but I know there's CCTV up this road. Who's gone, sorry? My snowman. Right, your snowman's been stolen? Yeah. Right, okay, in the last five hours? Well, four to five hours, I can't be sure exactly. And what do you mean? What, a snowman actually made out of snow or an ornament? No, he's made out of snow. I made him myself. Right, OK. He had two of my teaspoons in his arms and money on his face. I'm not being funny. I know it's only a snowman, but I thought it'd be fine. What with it being icy and that, people ain't been walking up and down the road. It ain't a nice road, but at the end of the day, you don't expect someone to nick your snowman. Do you know what I mean? It's got my- <laughs> She was dead serious about a stolen snowman. <laughs> I'm just the more <laughs> I just don't know how to the most uh, ridiculous part of this call isn't even her. <laughs> it's the work that would go into stealing a snowman. <laughs> it's so heavy. And, and then you gotta assemble it. Storage, yeah. <laughs> and then you wake up, you're like, I'll, I'm really going to reap the benefits of this after the heat calms down on this stolen. And then you go to your garage, and it's gone. It's not even there anymore. It's, oh, my gosh. You can, and especially when snow is everywhere. <laughs> but it's like, I don't, it's a lot of work to make a snowman better still hers. But it's, I would say, more work to steal a snowman. I, I could see it if the call went something like, yes, hello, I'd like to uh, report uh, stolen eyes from my snowman. I used 17th century brooches for the eyes and they've been stolen. <laughs> I mean, I could understand that or even like even if somebody stole the carrot or whatever, but <laughs> the snowman melted. So that's what that, that's what's up here. This lady is about as smart as a box Wait, of Wait, the snowman melted? It wasn't even stolen? Yeah. <laughs> It melted. <laughs> She's so smart. <laughs> she was livid too. Just <laughs> I used my teaspoons for its arms. 
And it's just like, we can't swear. Be a snowman out here anymore, eh? <laughs> Ran off with my snowman. And his caulking balls are still laying out there. Well, not his caulking, but I didn't put caulking. But his area, the bottom half, is still there. I imagine they'll be back if you're going to send a sniper. <laughs> sniper. I haven't got the bottom half yet, Addy. <laughs> the goddamn it travesty, isn't it? Well, I got one more thing for you, and okay. this is this is not smart to do on a podcast. But while we were while we were just recording just now, well, uh, I got a notification in my email that we got a voicemail, and I haven't listened to it yet. It's forty nine seconds long. Okay, should I play it? Yeah. Okay. We don't even know if it's good or bad. No, I have okay. no idea what it's about. It could literally be a woman. I you bet know. it's a. I bet it's some a medium. Maybe, maybe. If you want to get that joke, listen to the most recent 911 or extraterrestrials. Yeah, that's a that was a trip down weird lane there. Extraterrestrials Daily Show, the never daily, never daily Daily Show. All right, this is from Holly M. Okay, and I have no idea what's going on. So here we go. Hey, up. This is Holidia. I live in Tupelo, Mississippi. I'm just now on episode 56. I'm a little behind, but, um, I, I live, I live in Tupelo, Mississippi and you're all like Collierville, Starkville, May, when you said Maven, Mississippi, I'm like, ah, I'm telling you, I know you from somewhere in the past. It's not possible that I don't actually know you, but like you talk about Hastings and being a Boise high brave and just, all this shit, uh, all this stuff that you say, I'm like, I know this man, but I don't know you, but I'm telling you, we know each other. Okay, that's all. Have a really great day. Love you so much. Soup, soup. Soup, soup. And that was sweet. <laughs> so it was very sweet. It is likely that Holly M. does know me because I was in a ton of towns down there including Tupelo, um, as a missionary. And so, you know, we kind of stick out. <laughs> Legally, too, because you were never within 500 feet of a school or playground. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's also apparent. Oh, it is weird, though. Like, um, I had it happen not too long ago. Th- this, this happened. Um, a guy that uh, he's just de- so dear to my heart. Um he he was on our facebook and and he he was under a, an alias and he reaches out to me and he's like hey so uh i just wanted to tell you that you know me and i'm like oh okay cool and i'm like how do i know you and he's like i'll just i'll tell you this that um that you changed my life and i'm like oh gosh that doesn't narrow it down at all i've changed just kidding i couldn't think of anyone's life who i've changed <laughs> and i'm like oh you still got me i don't know and he goes on to give me some more cryptic information and what it turned out to be was um my, my sister's ex-fiance um it was so weird because one time they were still like engaged and um and he he was really he was struggling with the direction of getting married and everything and and uh so I told him I'm like, Man, you don't have to get married 
<laughs> he's like, I don't. <laughs> no. No, you don't have to get married. You know, because there was some other things that he wanted to do with his life. And he was kind of talking at the time. I mean, I remember clearly we were both laying on the ground in a in somebody else's home in Las Vegas because we were there for somebody else's wedding. And it was late at night and we had traveled to Vegas and we we're laying on this this house, the ground of this house downstairs. And we're just talking and he's telling me, he's telling me, you know, the things that he'd like to do with his life that uh, he's, he's afraid he wouldn't be able to do. And, and literally if he got married, it would be very difficult to do the things that he wanted to do. Like what? Well, he, he was still of an age where he was like, you know, I never went on a mission, but I, I, I would like, I w- I've always regretted that. And I'm like, you're not too young. You could go on a mission. I mean, you could even go on a mission with your wife or, you know, go on a, or go on a Peace Corps mission. I mean, there's a million ways to, to do things. And I was like, it's not too late. It's not too late. You could, you can still factor that in. It's, you know, life is You can even over. sign up for like Antifa or the Proud Boys. <laughs> and go on a mission. <laughs> exactly. But he took it to heart and he uh they broke the engagement off and he ended up going and totally taking a different direction with his life and and uh he, he said he said that that was a good thing and, and when he when he explained who it was, it just my heart my heart burst because I love him so much. He's such a great guy and my family still loves him. My my sister still loves him. Just a great guy. But um Anyway, yeah, every once in a while, there's somebody that might know me, and maybe they do, maybe they don't. <laughs> well, maybe you know Holly. I might know Holly M. I don't know. I'll have to dig into it a little bit and see if I can. I bet she's wanting a blood test. <laughs> what? We should start a new thing. Well, you don't ever talk new... about Sam 3.0. <laughs> Hey, uh, I'm in Tupelo. I got this weird kid that I've been raising forever, and it just kind of occurred to me. He he thinks a lot like you. Really Loves weird. Root like. <laughs> Loves root beer. Has a stupid accent. Says poop instead of shit. <laughs> Could you also hear in her voicemail, like, she either corrected or swears, or at the very end, she was about to drop the F-bomb. She was like, I f- love you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was fun. Oh, weird. I I hope. I mean, it's funny. It's funny to me because other than other than just beeping you out as a joke on the show, as you know, as part of the shtick, like I've never told anyone they can't swear around me yet. Yeah. <laughs> I swear around you like... more probably when we're not, <laughs> especially if your mom's around. <laughs> oh, you're not kidding. My mom, the other day, she said, you know, I have a thought. I have an opinion. that I think Kent knows it gets to me. So I think he swears more when he's around me than he would normally. And I'm like, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> I literally watched watched her cringe so many times. And it just made my just I was dropping the F-bomb every other. And she would just it had a physical effect on her. It made me feel like I had powers. Like. <laughs> That I could say things that would physically affect somebody. <laughs> well, you did a good job with that. She threw that up was... like six times, I think. <laughs> I would say, Swear. and she would just, <laughs> she got to where she would just throw up in her lap. Dirty diet all over the place. <laughs> oh, my cheeks hurt. Oh, man. All right. Well, 
That's all I got. You, you've you got more recording to do, so I should let you go. Yeah, I'm getting ready to hang out with Jack Luna. Sweet. Tell him hi for me. I will. He won't care. All right. Love you, buddy. Love you, too. Hugs, everybody.